Hey, Jamie, I've got a question for you. What do you want, Tom? Who's on the podcast this coming Friday? Oh, is it someone big? Boy. Is uh, it a big one? Shall I bother listening this week? Yeah. If I was going to say uh, take. And I would say off no, your trousers. No, no. Take. Me out. No, take. Paddy McGuinness. No, take. Take on me. Take that. Wow. Have a little patience. But hang on, presumably you've only, you haven't got all three of them, have you? Presumably you've just got one of them. Buddy, we have all three of them on the podcast. They've released a new album. It's coming out. They're going on tour. They talk about the ups, the downs, the lefts, the rights, on everything that happened in Take the That. The ins, the outs. And they reveal it all this Friday. Exclusively. On Private Parts. That's a big one. I'm going to listen to that. 
this transition? I think, kind of come back to you, it's not as easy for a brand to get in front of people these days. You know, the way yeah. we all watch content, the way we consume things every day is not, people don't read printed magazines and newspapers as much, people don't watch linear TV and sit through ads in the same way. Yeah. So I think it all comes back to that is the fact that we're consuming content in different ways. So the brands have to, had to shift how they get in front of people's eyeballs. Yeah. And the only way to do that was to change the type of content they make. So instead of them doing print advertising or 15, 30 second ad spots on telly, they've had to almost become content creators themselves to yeah. get, in front of, get in front of people. But if I hear, there are certain brands, if I hear of the Beats by Dre, yeah. usually do a brilliant advert for the yeah. World Cup and stuff like that. Yeah. To the point that like, if you create a culture where people are looking forward so the con- like they're content creators in their own right now. So if you're looking forward to what the Nike World Cup advert, the Beats by Dre, Dove always does really great kind of information. But it's, but it's not just adverts, it's stuff on Facebook and stuff on Twitter and yeah. Snapchat and people are just, it's, it's far beyond just TV advertising, like say billboards, all that sort of stuff. It's still there, but you need to reach a new audience and the way to do it is through social and online and videos that people are gonna to wanna to share. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily push the products all the time, but it just goes at the end, it's like, like a tick or whatever. Yeah, there's, I think there's almost different levels of how you look at branded content these days. They're still, they are still advertisers. Mm. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. they still do billboards, they still make TV spots. Yeah. They do do that. They have to create their own content, have their own channels, their own social voice. And they also have to tap into other people's social voices. So there's almost like those three places they have to be at the same time. Mm. And they all kind of sit under the branded content umbrella. I just did bunny ears for anyone who wasn't yeah. watching that. Do you, um, do you think part of the reason that they might have shifted and started doing this is that people are generally a lot more savvy when they're being advertised to now? So people, it's almost like when TV adverts come on, they're almost like white noise to me. I, very yeah, and if you take a lot you, to penetrate you just fast forward through it if you can. Scott. Exactly. If other, you, other than that, you, you don't sit there and watch an advert, but you would sit there and watch a two-minute video which Tom shared on Facebook that I go, oh, actually, I'm going to watch that. I think, exactly. because, I think because different screens have different attention spans. I think yeah. the way I look at when I'm sat at home watching the big TV in my lounge, I don't, it doesn't have the same attention span I used to with it. So mm. I'll be looking at my phone, I'll be on my iPad, I'll be yeah. doing other stuff. When I'm on my phone, I'm generally not distracted by other things. I'm generally, if I'm on no. Facebook, I'm on Facebook. And yeah. I have much more engagement with that as a platform. Because the thing of an ad just rolls on telly, it's so subliminal, I probably, these days it washes over me. I don't really pay that much attention to them. I feel like very little of it sinks in. I don't think I could tell you an advert on TV now, like off the top of my head. There's some like obvious like historic examples yeah. there from points to that as like a case study, like yeah. But then at Christmas adverts come back, don't they? Like John Lewis and like the fight for the Christmas advert. Like that's yes. a big moment for advertising. But that's less. I think that's even, but again, that's less about the actual advert. But, 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 but again, with that, moment. like John Lewis for the past two years have released the advert on Twitter and Facebook natively before yeah. mm. before it's been on TV because they know that that's where the audience. That's not that's about where a TV advert. That's no. about them creating But again, the, the, the advert doesn't really sell their product, it just sells a lifestyle and it just tells a good story that people want to share. Well, and then they relate that to John Lewis. So, but what about brands that aren't lifestyle related? Does that mean they can't be branded content? No. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? You've got to, it's, it's not all about being lifestyle related as much as it is just creating like a, a sense around the brand, isn't it? Like yeah, that's sort of what I meant by Like lifestyle. a kind of, an emotional response. You know, yeah. if you go through like a um, any company's Twitter page now, they always want to have like a personality and talk to you yeah. like you're, they're your mate, don't they? They want to be like, oh look at us, we're McDonald's, we're not 
huge global conglomerate company. Yeah. 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 Well, even earlier, I just saw a, a, an article come up on Facebook saying Tesco find their banter again. And so Facebook, was, uh, sorry, Tesco started replying to people like, in a sort of piss take way that they used to do like, yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, so again, it's like people relate Tesco to having that turn of voice on Twitter. O2 have it, Nando's have it. It's like almost that's more important than what they're actually. I don't know. Yeah, but would you class that as branded content? No, that's that's just social. That's just tone of voice. Because I think whenever whenever I oh, have this conversation with people about that. branded content, it always comes back to the same people. It's Nike, it's Red Bull, yeah. it's those aspirational lifestyle brands. What happens if you are selling fairy liquid? You got there's nothing that aspirational necessarily about fairy liquid. No, but but it's, isn't that about telling a good story? Like John Lewis, they tell a good story. Yeah, but John Lewis is the same. It's an aspirational lifestyle brand. Is well, I mean, Fairy Liquid is. I guess that's not, maybe not a great example, but I think it's really easy. But Fairy Liquid, think of a good story. I mean, their adverts at the moment is about like the kid. Oh, it never runs out, and the kid wants to make like a space machine or whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just really. I think it's a lot easier for a Nike or a Red Bull or a GoPro or whatever to make branded content because they're an aspirational lifestyle they're brand. They're quite sexy, aren't they, those yeah. brands? Yeah. yeah, and they've got a history and people know who they are. Well, don't get me wrong, they do, they do a great job of it. Yeah. But I think they've got a slightly easier sell than a lot of other brands necessarily do. There's, I read something I did as like a graph and it said the role of branded content for brands has shifted. So whereas before it was massively about upselling and brand loyalty, so it's like, you've got a Ferrari, buy two Ferraris. Yeah. Um, you always buy Ferraris. Um, but now it's risen to, they changed to wanting to educate customers. Now, I'm not quite sure what educating customer means in this context, but I guess that is kind of brand awareness, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. it ties into a lot of stuff that we do at Spirit. I mean, the, the Domino's project we've done from Lab Bible is about brand awareness and placing that brand within a certain lifestyle. Yeah. It's very subtle. You never mention the word Domino's. Mm. Domino's boxes happen to be in the video. I think that's a really clever way of getting a brand in front of the right audience, in front of a big audience in a nice way. I think, I think people aren't stupid. I think people appreciate that, that it's not getting rammed down their throat. Yeah, no, exactly. exactly and yeah, pe- pe- yeah people, people do appreciate intelligent content and that, you know, Domino's have it so right, we're just going to sell you pizza. We're going to actually create a bit of video that you're going to like. Yeah. And we just happen to make it for you. And I think, I think, I think it's good. I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of bad branding content out there, but there's a lot of good branding content out there as well. Yeah. Speaking um, of bad branded content. Do you remember that film a few years ago called The Internship? Yes. Which was a Google funded film where they picked like all the locations, pretty much cast everyone. Did you watch it? Yeah, that's how not to be branded content. <laughs> it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. Yeah, the search engine supplied ideas and locations, key themes and swanky kit. Their co-founder has a cameo. Tax avoidance is not a plot point. That's a quote from The Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's absolutely insane. That was so bad, that film. It was so heavy-handed. It was, it was so blatant. It wasn't... It treated mm. the audience like we were morons. Like, yeah. we wouldn't get that Google had clearly just paid for the entire thing. I don't think that painted them in a particularly good light. I mean, I know. it's damaged them hugely, but... And they could have... That film, like, there were really clunky, horrible bits of the script where they just go, like, why don't you use Google Chats to all this? A brilliant advisor here, and it's just all horrible. But there was a, they could have done that if they'd taken out all those references and not put the co-founder in it yeah. and just done a film about getting a job at Google where it wasn't constantly like, look how good it is to work. You don't here. need to run yeah. it down people's throats. People get it. People know exactly. Google. You don't need to sort. That's when you start losing them. And that's what I think. For the most part, branded content has 
changed for the better in that respect. And like, like that Domino's advert, it's much more subtle. You don't reference Yeah, I think it. it's taken like a, like a while for, for brands to understand that they don't have to ram the product down their throat. And now, now, they, now they know that, and I think it's, it's all the better for it. Do you, do you think there is too much branded content out there? Do you think, I've got this horrible feeling that branded content slowly kills platforms. Yeah. I think Instagram yeah. is declining, not purely for the fact, but I think a large part of the fact is that brands are overtaking my feed to a certain yeah. extent. Like before, sponsored con- before the sponsored post happened, Instagram was booming, it was growing. Yeah. As soon as sponsored post happens, it seems to slow down. And like, you know, Snapchat, they haven't quite got the head around branded content yet on Snapchat, no. on Discover, but as soon as they do, is it going to do the same for Snapchat? Is it going to slowly kill that yeah. as a platform? I do worry that there's so much content being made in the world, like we can never consume all the content being made. It's hard for brands to push through, so it kind of gets shoved down your throat in a little bit. And I worry that there's almost too much of it and it is potentially slowly killing platforms and putting people off engaging with that sort of yeah. content. I mean- Funny you mention that because there's a Facebook story which I'm going to talk about later, which sort of touches on that issue. But, yeah. but it's true, you go onto Facebook, you go onto Twitter, and there's a lot of branded content on there. And nine times out of ten, you don't even look at it, you sort of just scroll past it and go, whatever. Um, so it's branded content almost become what it's trying to steer away from when you see those TV adverts and it's just white noise and it doesn't mean anything to you. And you turn away, you fast forward, you look at your phone. Now on Instagram, you just scroll, you spot just a scroll past post it. A, a million miles away, don't Possibly, you? And you yeah. go straight past it and try to get you in. The only way I'll watch a brand new video is probably if somebody, like a friend of mine, shares it on Facebook. Yeah. But if they've liked it, then I'll probably like it. But maybe it's just forcing brands to be slightly cleverer. Because it is very easy to make something pay Facebook to put it in front of people. Yeah. And it appears. There's a tendency to very lazy just, way just create it. content. We've got to create content. We've got to be on Facebook. Yeah. But actually, so maybe quality is more important creating. than quantity these days. Totally. Totally is, because again, you're not you're not reaching out to all your followers anyway. Yeah, you're reaching out to a certain percentage. So you don't want to just constantly be creating content. Yeah, you, you don't want to become more noisy. content. That's much better. Yeah. If you think back to that John Lewis advert, they are the most. They've got nothing to do with anything in John Lewis. They, no. Every now and then they feature like a product that you can get in John Lewis, but they yeah. just frankly odd little stories yeah. <laughs> of yeah. people vaguely related to Christmas. Nothing to do with the department store, but they've become like a cultural landmark haven't they like people yeah. when it like everyone can't wait to share it on their facebook i don't know when that happened or how that happened but they've done a really ridiculously good job yeah it's, it's an incredible a really good job because now we've all become ambassadors for john lewis because we share it yeah yeah even if you just make jokes about it because yeah. you know talking that's about it. all playing yeah. into their hands isn't it yeah. a lot of things about but the old man nothing what we said about too many too much branded content on social networks yeah i think that's true i think that's why people moved from facebook to instagram was because there wasn't Branding content on Instagram. Yeah. Now they're moving to Snapchat for that reason, and once branding content comes to Snapchat, which it is, and they're trying to, to, they're trying to work out how to make that work and how to make money. Yeah. Then they're just going to go somewhere else. There'll be another app that people go to. Do you think people are trying to get away from it then? Totally. Yeah. I think, I think some people. I think are. that's the reason why Snapchat. I mean, Snapchat's great, but I think part of the reason why people move to Snapchat is because there's not brands shoving stuff down the throat all the time, and it is just their friends or people that they follow on there. And it's not sort of oversaturated, but it's not oversaturated by branded content. But at the same point, I think you have to put up with a certain level of branded content because we're not stupid. These platforms have to make money mm. at what they're doing, and content creators have to make money. You know, yeah. making videos isn't free; it's no. not cheap. So I think, that, I think it's, you've got to expect a certain level of it. But I think it, is, it potentially is putting people off using these platforms. This is quite a difficult question. I'm going to ask you both anyway. Okay. What does a brand have to do to make it stand out from the other branded content? 
what other like what what do you think? Does it have to be that? Does it have to be cross platform? Does it have to cross over? I think having a, authenticity, having their own tone of voice, telling stories. Stories um, is huge, isn't it? I think it's yeah, a, yeah. a great video that you're gonna want to share, regardless of what the brand is, whether you associate with the brand, you don't associate with the brand. Yeah. Just a great story, a great video, something really clever that you actually they've put a lot of thought and effort into that. Because a lot of times you just see the same idea rehashed over and over and over again. I think it's understanding platforms, understanding the yeah. science behind the platforms, how will people engage with content, not doing one content works across everything, yeah. thinking about the platforms, thinking about what people like on the platforms. Yeah. Obviously we know what each platform's used for and how to how to manage it, but yeah. A lot of the general public do as well, yeah. and as I think brands should take them for idiots. Like they know what what should be on Facebook and what should be on Instagram, and yeah, like what I consume on YouTube, what I consume on Facebook, what I consume on Instagram is all yeah. completely different. So if I'm if I'm a brand, I've got to think in the same way and go, I've got to track people in different ways and different platforms and make the right content for them. One, one part of branding content like that I'm not so mad on is this whole sort of influencer strategy and how like if a, if a vlogger gets if a vlogger tweets about my product then sales are going to go up and it's Does like not always and I think the reason why vloggers and YouTubers were so popular or are so popular I think is because they were genuine mm. I think the more that they start associating themselves with brands and start doing sponsor you see, you see it all the time if someone does a sponsor post the comments are, are brutal often. really yeah they're like oh you've sold out like Aaron Kraskow for example I really like him on Vine yeah but he's really selling out like he did one something for Sky and he was just it just wasn't very good. I, th- I think influencer content, I honestly think it completely works. But I yeah. think you've got to have good management behind you, understand who are the right brands for you, um, and the right way of doing it. If it's the right vlogger slash YouTuber for the brand, then, then fine. But often, it's just whoever they can afford, whoever they can get. And sometimes the vlogger doesn't quite match the brand. And that's when their audience, their organic audience, just don't relate to that product. What did yeah. Aaron Kraskill do? Was it Doritos? He did Doritos as well, yeah. yeah, yeah he he yeah. does a lot of stuff, and the Doritos stuff was okay because he was still doing what he normally does in Vine, but for Doritos. Right. But that Sky one, he just he was watching Sky, and then it distracted him, so he stopped talking, and it was a bit bizarre. I think this purely comes down to it's a slightly immature market still. I think people yeah. are still trying to understand how that market works, and thinking if they spend the money behind a big influencer, they will get big numbers, which is true. They will get the reach, they'll mm. get the numbers, and I think in the next couple of years, we'll start to see brands understand that. Yeah, you still want those tentpole influencers who will get you reach, but you also want those influencers who have a thousand followers or ten thousand followers, yeah. a really mm. engaged audience, but a really good link with your brand, who really fit your brand. That, that that's and the that, key. That that's will be key. key to it. That is a key. There has to be a right fit for the brand. Yeah. And sometimes you see it and it's not, or you, or they've told the same, they've told twenty blogs to tweet exactly the same thing. Yeah. Not changing the copy, not changing the videos, and it's just the audience see through it. It's like why are you all tweeting exactly the same thing at the same time. I do think it's always odd when you get like Aaron Kreskel doing like some kind of ad funding bit and then the comments are you sold out, would yeah. you bastard, blah blah blah. I always think that's a really odd reaction. Like he's not painted himself as some it's kind of reaction, huge anti He needs to, he needs to make a living at the end of the day. Exactly. Like, I could, I, but like, uh, there is an inherent distrust of being mm. advertised to. That's why I think branded content has had to up its game and change the way advertise you so it can't be really over because youtubers and viners they're seen as like real people and sort of their their mates and so if and they the start associating with that. brands the audience don't don't relate to that because they're not a t- they don't know the adverts so we sort of know from years yeah. and years and years ago they just know youtubers and but it does really it does work really well in the beauty and fashion sector i think i think yeah. because yeah. they you know there's there's such an engaged audience for that sector on youtube in specific yeah 
And generally the vloggers who we've worked with, if they work with a brand, they genuinely buy into the brand. Yeah. So they're not just doing it for the cash. It's because they actually love the brand anyway. Yeah. I think yeah. that way you see the comments afterwards and like, yeah. the fans love it. But you can't just pair Doritos with someone because they have a big audience. No, exactly. They will see through that. Yeah, absolutely. Zoella's been in trouble a couple of times recently, hasn't she? Mm. For if you put a advert on YouTube through like you have to put ad in the title so yeah. that people know and Zoella's You don't have to put ad in the title. Do you not have to? You have to make it clear that it's an easily ad clear yeah, to the audience that it is an ad. And apparently Zoella's are not being doing that. So she'll kind no. of really extol the virtues of some beauty product and then kind of not evidently she doesn't use it, it and yeah. she was obviously paid to use it but she's been quite sneaky yeah and it's still, there's still points. such a grey line between what's an ad what's not an ad exactly. how should you tell the audience mm. I think there, there does need to be some actual clear guidelines soon going well, this is how you tell people this is an ad it is yeah exactly because it is unclear with, so if she just goes oh, I love this eyeshadow yeah. then her audience are really young so like they must think that she is an influencer. She's a tastemaker. So people will be like, I'm buying eyeshadow. Well, numerous right times now. she's done that and they've sold out of the product within yeah. like the and day of it going out. If she doesn't believe in it, then that's that's quite a maybe she does believe in it. I'm, I mean, I'm with so, so like, like, so so like so her. <laughs> but Zoella can come on. Let's she cut probably this bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think she probably does believe most and most, if not all, the stuff she puts out. Very feasibly. Yeah, I think. That's just down to she should be managed slightly better and to understand mm. to make it clear to her audience because she has a young impressionable audience and even if she does believe in the brand she should still make it clear to them that the yeah. brand is paying for it. Absolutely, brilliant. So I'm going to push you both for an answer. For brands, is content king? Is that something essential that they have to do? Do they have to make brand new content? Or can they stick to the old model of kind of just... I feel like we've barely even scraped the surface. We have gone on a mad tangent. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest, lads. Yeah. I, th I think they do need to create content, and content is king. But yeah. It's the right content with the right influencers, targeted to the right audience on the right platforms. And as long as you're ticking all those boxes, then yeah, it's much more effective than a TV advert or billboards. Yeah. I definitely think we're going to need a part two to this um, podcast yeah. because I don't think we've even touched the surface on. We've gone off on a mad tangent. In terms of brand content, but yeah, I, I completely agree. Brands have to make content. They have to no, it's just not just make their own content, but work with influencers and make content across all platforms in the right way and have their own tone of voice because otherwise someone else would do it and they'll do it better and um so i'm gonna go yeah for brand they did yeah they definitely content is king they have to do it they have to be more clever about the way they advertise because their audiences they're advertising to are much more savvy they know when they're being advertised to so you've got to give them content worth actually watching you can't just throw anything in front of them because otherwise it'll get ignored and it'll become white noise Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. 
Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Um, thanks, mate. Uh, so moving swiftly on, each of us have been tasked with trawling through the media landscape and picking a news story, an article, a video, a film, a song, a computer game, anything really that piqued our interest this week. Elliot, you're first up. What have you brought for us? So, Facebook's algorithm has changed again. Um, so for the last... Who uh, saw that coming? Um, <laughs> so for the last few years, everyone's been saying that all I see is branded bits and, again, branded content. Um, things from advertisers, sponsored posts. I've rarely seen them from actual friends unless you engage with them sort of every day. Yeah. So now that's sort of going to be flip reversed, Blazing Squad. Um, <laughs> and you're going to be start seeing a lot more posts from your friends and families as opposed to branded content, which makes it difficult for advertisers. You have to spend a lot of money to then get it in front of them. But doesn't it say it's not all brands, it's like the middle tier? The middle tier. So, so if, if the big boys will so be So they're still rewarding the ones who make great video content yeah. and use a platform in creative ways, they're still going to reward those. It's just sort of the middle people who are sort of just bouncing along. So they're truly closing off their walled garden. They're going, yeah. these are the brands we want to work with. Yeah. You lot can go away. So like some Nike, Red Bull, McDonald's, they've got nothing to worry about. But the smaller brands maybe do. I think it's astonishing. It's bad news for our Facebook page. <laughs> the media yeah, exactly. It's Facebook. bad news for anyone who wants to grow a new brand on yeah. the platform. Yeah. I think it's... I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I want to see more posts than my friends and family. My friends and family don't post that much. I don't, I don't really really like if, if you think, about what, <laughs> if you think about what you post on Facebook now, it's mainly it is like sharing a video or yeah. sharing an article or, mm. or whatever. Like, and you know, will that be punished? Will we only be able to show like baby pictures and scans and wedding want, pictures and all, and all that shit? I don't want Sorry. that. Um, you can swear on this podcast. Can we swear on this podcast? Yeah, why not? Yeah, okay. I've done, done it a few times already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then let's just swear for 60 seconds and see what happens. <laughs> I th- I, um, I'm not sure about so this. So is this a good move or, or not? It's a, gra- it's a great move for Facebook, my friends and family, and the brand's making a ton of money. I think it's terrible if you want to start a new brand or trying yeah. to grow a brand. I think it's... I think the way it's been done is quite clever because it's painted as like, hey guys, you can see more from your friends' family, less brands. So people go, yay! But then they're like, you're just going to see the big brands now. Yeah. So it's, actually, it's been painted as this like, great thing for everyone. You get to engage mm. with your friends' family again. But it's just the big boys closing shop. It's just Facebook taking more and more control over it. And I'm... I don't know. I think if I was... I think it's okay for the brands, but if I was a publisher... Yeah, I would be terrified because most oh, yeah, of the big publishers scary. are getting their audience off of Facebook, of essentially. And if they're closing off the wall, and Facebook decide that I don't know, you know, the thing that's happening with Gorka that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, yeah, they decide we don't want Gorka to appear on people's feeds. Let's just push them off. All of a sudden, yeah, Gorka they can, they can easily do that. Or Gorka dies as a business. Yeah, presumably there's a lot of kind of mid-level companies and brands that have invested quite a lot of money into Facebook. Yeah, that are now. Being told, yeah, that that's over for you. Yeah, I mean, not huge push your content as much. They must be furious. And if you're, and and still, if you're one of the big guys, when you petrified, this could happen again. I mean, mm. Facebook can quite easily just go right. We're changing it again. You big boys, we don't want you here either. I I I would be scared if I was a big. It, it is. It, it is. Any scary. brand. It's horrible how much power they wield, really, isn't it? They can 
like this odd thing like we always think of this internet as this amazing kind of uncensored place but really we go to the same few places yeah. for our information and they can absolutely sense what you're seeing but not in any obvious way I think it really shows if you're a brand new publisher you should not be relying on Facebook as the sole place to no, grow you business. have your own platform somewhere else to go 100%. absolutely yeah. absolutely um, Tom what have you got for us this week so Nielsen tried to find out the viewing figures behind the new series Orange is the New Black because, as we know, Netflix, Amazon don't release their figures. No. So we have no concept of how big they are compared to cable, terrestrial telly, all that. So they found the, the first episode of the new season of Orange is the New Black got 6.7 million viewers over the weekend in America. And the second episode got 5.9 million, which, if those were on cable, would be the second most viewed show behind Game of Thrones. Wow. Would it? That doesn't sound very much to me. That's quite a lot. 6.7 million viewers over a weekend. It's quite a lot. Well, I, mean, I wouldn't. Those are their figures. I, 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 I wouldn't turn them down. Because obviously, TV ratings are down now, but like. Yeah. That's that just like, America, like it's not globally. Like an, yeah, but even still, like in the UK, a good show gets about sort of five or six million now. Yeah. So I'd expect that number to be a lot bigger because what they used to say was that they have 22 million customers or 33 million customers, and that was a figure they put against the show. Yeah. So I don't actually think that's a large number. But I think it's actually really interesting that. They are compete. They're clearly competing in terms of numbers of views. Oh yeah, of course. To traditional cable shows. Yeah. Does it say how they got those figures? Did they go into much detail, or is it far too technical? And um, yeah, they did their normal thing of putting boxes in homes uh, from a panel of forty thousand homes. Um, that's so old-fashioned. That whole box in the corner. It's ridiculous. Room. That and isn't then it? times it by a thousand, whatever. It's just it's just pointless. It's like now. That's why catch-up figures like Chris Evans. I know he's he's gone left Top Gear now, but like everyone obsessed over the overnight ratings for Top Gear. Yeah, but actually, the catch-up figures were were much better once you added them together and more accurate as well because they know exactly how many people watched it and catch up. And I don't get why TV can't be like that. Why can't you know exactly how many people watch a show? Well, this is one of the most intrinsic reasons of why telly's struggling because they can't prove yeah. the figures in that accurate way. Accurate barometer. I know yeah. someone who had a TV show on a small uh, cable network, right? And because you know they put like it in a thousand homes and right. Like, yeah. Like, no one in those thousand homes watched his TV show. Yeah. So, technically, he had zero, zero. viewers of all his shows. Yeah. That happened on London Live when they launched. Yes. They, have, they, yeah. got, they got a zero barb rating because yeah. none of the homes that had the boxes watched the shows. Let's say, yeah, only have you ever met one thousand out of 60 million watched it. Then, yeah, yeah it, it's going to be zero. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever met anyone with one of those boxes in, 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 no. in the house? No. I don't, I, don't, I don't know where they are, who they are. I would, I would massively skew the figures if it was my home. Yeah. I don't watch telly. No, really. <laughs> this person's not watching anything in two yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I thought it was interesting that at least they're trying to find out. Yeah, no, it is, because I think a lot of traditional broadcasters yeah. obviously see Netflix as a threat, Yeah. but then the way they sort of come back from that is they go, oh, well, we don't really know how many people are actually watching the yeah. programmes. Like, they say they've got all, yeah. these, all these customers, but actually how many are watching it? But it might, it they don't really know, but then if, they, if they do know, then yeah, exactly. Yeah. Netflix and Amazon not releasing their statistics. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because they don't have to. Mm. Is that literally right? Because they don't have to. They, they don't publicly release them. I'm sure they do to people paying for stuff. Do they tell you how many people subscribe? Or when you see a figure for that? No, you see subscribers. Yeah, you know how many people you. signed up to it. Just not yeah. viewership. Is there like an argument to say they're doing it because it almost... Obviously, everyone talks about like Netflix programs. So when you don't officially release a figure and put a number on it, it might be... Because you came in and said, oh, I thought that number was that's lower than yeah. I thought. So I, is it almost like... Everyone assume it'd be huge, and then you just 
let them assume that rather than so ever like America's them. much bigger than obviously the UK. Yeah. And it's getting the same figures as EastEnders or Coronation Street, which I find is really... Like, Orange is the New Black was on, say, BBC One over Christmas. Yeah. Or maybe or Channel 4, whatever. Like, you expect to do a lot better than that. Get at least sort of 10 million or whatever. Yeah, maybe. So it's a huge, it's a huge show. I don't, I don't know what stuff like, I don't know. Or well, the big shows in America, I don't know what they get. What game, you mentioned Game of Thrones there. Yeah. So say it was the second to Game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah, so Game of Thrones is the most watched and second behind that. I know a few mm. years ago, Game of Thrones also the most well-watched programme on linear TV, like averagely through the week. Like they always do outrageously well on Sky Atlantic. Yeah, well, it does, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like the, the highest rated show because people watch it, like one point whatever million watch it at 3am in the morning. Yeah. Which um, I, I never understood. What have you found, Pete? Birthday, Pete. We should announce birthday, it. It's my birthday, birthday, Pete. Everyone who's listening, Tim Cook, Barack Obama, Jay Z. Send your presents to uh, three to seven Herbal Hill. Are we giving our address out? <laughs> I mean, we've done it now. <laughs> I mean, if you Google Spirit, I'm pretty sure you could find three to seven Herbal Hill, Farringdon, EC one R five EJ. And Pete's mobile number is 07. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if I did that? I'd get inundated. Um, so this week's. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Yeah. Um, so this week's uh, story that I've brought in is about podcasting. Uh, so fans of the podcast Serial, did you two listen? Yes. Yes. First the series, not second yeah, series. Yeah. The second series. I got halfway through and I dropped off. I listened to it all and then I, I don't know why I did it. Episode one and that was all for me. There's no, yeah, there's no mystery in it. I say this is very meta as well, by the way. Yeah. We're on a podcast talking about podcasts. Talking about so podcasts. I want to acknowledge that before we go into it. So Adnan Saeed... From yes. the first season of Serial, has got he's been granted a new trial, so that's incredible news. So I just kind of wanted to talk about the power of podcasting. So Serial was the first po- fastest podcast to get to five million downloads. It got as of I think it was January this year. It had ninety-seven million downloads. That's astonishing. That's a big number. Yeah, and <laughs> that is a big number. That's a big I'll number. Give, I'll give you more that. people have downloaded serial than have watched Girls, Mad Men, or Louis, or Orange is the New Black, or Orange is the New Black as well. Apparently, um, that's insane. Such huge numbers, and the podcast. And you've got. It might be simple to argue that Adnan got a new trial because of serial. But there was obviously an intense public focus on this case. And the podcast, 10 years ago, it wasn't really a thing. Mm. Now it's huge. We think of like, well, had, had that Ricky, first Ricky, wave, Ricky, didn't Ricky, it? Ricky Gervais was like the first wave. Yeah. yeah. And then it sort of went a bit quiet. And now, yeah, you've got Serial. I mean, my dad wrote a porno, which launched again this week. The Mediaverse. I mean, all the media big, all the big guys. I mean, Mediaverse killed huge it. Huge change in the um, podcast game. Yeah, the podcast game is huge at the moment. It's outrageous. And... Another interesting thing about podcasting is like, even though it's this huge thing, again, people are finding it hard to monetize it in any meaningful way. So there's a quote from Julie Snyder, one of the producers on Serial, uh, where someone suggested she missed out a load of money by not ne- she negotiated mm. the advertising yeah. before Mail Kimp, MailChimp went on. And it's like, um, we'd love it if it were possible to garner tens of millions in revenue on podcasts, but as things stand now, that's impossible. Snyder told me we are still just a podcast. And apparently, if you go to like the This American Life offices in New York, they can't afford a meeting room like for their office space. Wow. It's really hard to monetize podcasts. And it's amazing that there are so many things. We've mentioned it before, like Twitter can't earn money. Podcasts can't earn money. Well, the, Spotify I guess, can't earn I money. guess that's probably why, I mean, I know the guys are going to be careful what I've got to say here, but my dad wrote a porn and now releasing a book over Christmas. Yep. So I guess like that's where they're going to start to make the money is by sort of spin-offs. 
Is that how you make your money? Spinning off and well, creating so. cover things? Well, I don't think they would have made much money, if any, from the actual podcast itself. But yeah. And they're, they're going on tour as well, so I think live tours, merchandise, that's what they're doing. I think the really problem comes back to Apple and all's infinite wisdom and glory. Doesn't let you actually track down, there's no statistics in terms of our podcast that we can easily get to show yeah, you the no. reviews. So how do you sell that to sponsorship? So that you can't. Whereas with Acast, our lovely um, service providers, Acast, um, yeah. do allow you Tell to track them yeah, and yeah, they yeah. insert ads for us. Um, so it is a clear way of us making money that way. So I think Apple have to step up and go, I mean, I know they did have a meeting a couple of months ago with a lot of the top podcasters to say how do you want to redevelop the platform. Yeah. Um, mm. But until then, I think it's going to be impossible to what, really... What do you think iTunes' reasoning for not releasing the stats is? Is it again because they don't have to? Because there's no investment from them. They didn't need... Yeah. They didn't see it as a growing platform, really. Yeah. Until a year, until really Serial came out, people weren't really talking about podcasts for quite a while. Serial put podcasts in the mainstream, yeah. didn't it? It yeah. changed it from a relatively niche activity into... Every man and his dog now listens yeah. to some kind of true crime podcast. And the amount yeah. of articles you see is like, this is the new serial. Yeah. Even like Making yeah. a Murder, it was branded as a serial TV. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It's yeah. absolutely insane. Um, so I just wanted to say we should keep on this podcast. Yes. Um, long live the podcast. Long live the podcast. So that sadly marks the end of this week's episode. Please subscribe, leave positive reviews and follow us on Twitter at MediaOSPod and like us on Facebook. And listen back to old episodes if you haven't already. We've got a few guests lined up as well. Do you have a few surprise guests? A few surprise guests. Very exciting. Um, I also want to say, this is Elliot's last day in the office. It is my last day in spirit. It's not my last day on the podcast. It's not your last day on the podcast. I'm saying this now on the podcast. You have now... I will will come back every now and then. You're now your longer co-host. You're a friend of the podcast. Yeah, friend of the podcast. podcast. I like that. that. You've got a steam company, Barack Obama, Tim Cook. Founding member and friend of the podcast. You will always be an original Mediaverse podcaster. Although, when we do blow up and become serial, we're going to have to negotiate the split there, aren't we? Yeah. Does he get a split? To be discussed. To be discussed on next week's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Which I won't be on. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.